Hey, what's happening, podcast land? Matthew Johnson back with another episode of Dementia in Black and White. In this week's episode, we will ask the question and answer it. Can I get paid to be a caregiver for a family member? Hmm. Short answer. Yes. And we'll get into it shortly. Sit back and listen to this informative episode of Dementia in Black and White. I am your host, Matthew Johnson. Let's do it. Let us talk about this question. And here today, I am sourcing this information from an article in the AARP, which you can find at AARP.org. This article is dated October 15th, 2021. And I believe the information is... Relatively current. So even, of course, I always recommend as I bring this information to you, as I'm out trying to discover it, I find it, I put it out here on the podcast. It is not an end all and be all. You too should be doing some due diligence and looking even beyond where I'm talking about today. As you hopefully find the information helpful, it is just a piece of information that's part should be part of your overall research. All right. So again, the article is titled, can I get paid to be a caregiver for a family member? And it starts out this way about 48 million Americans provide care without pay to an adult family member or friend. And they do so for an average of nearly 24 hours per week. This is according to the Caregiving in the U.S. 2020 report by the AARP and the National Alliance for Caregiving. And it says another AARP study issued in June 2021 found that 78 percent of family caregivers regular regularly incur out of pocket costs caring for a loved one with an average annual expenditure topping $7,200. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm certainly spending at least that much out of pocket caring for my mother. And it says 78% of caregivers are dropping seven G's a year. And again, when you think about how United States citizens are about saving, there's also a statistic I saw that something like 50% of Americans would not have $400 for an emergency, say if their car broke down or something like that, available to cover that emergency. So on average, the chances are real good that if a caregiver is coming out of pocket for $7,000 plus per year to take care of their loved one, Peter or Paul is not getting paid. Somebody's getting robbed that month, right? So this is a serious 
issue for sure. And just as I normally talk about your health, mental and physical, being a depreciating asset that we pour into our loved one, this article solidifies the fact that in addition to that spiritual, physical, mental resource, there's also a financial resource that is being drained by caregivers to care for our loved ones. So now this is talking about the average American, right? There are, of course, families who either through great investment or planning with long-term care insurance, you know, and financial is not really an issue. But I think we're probably only talking about 10% or 20% or less of people when we're talking about those who are financially prepared and have this thing locked down before someone needs it. For the most part, an overwhelming majority, and again, you know, this is talking about 78% of people coming out of their pocket for that 7000 I suspect that that's about right. About 80% of people are finding themselves in a financial bind when it comes to taking care of their loved one and meeting these financial needs. So this information is timely and hopefully helpful to someone. Um, I was particularly looking because my daughter is helping and she is definitely doing this at least 24 hours of care uh, per week. And I was trying to find something for her. Now, this article particularly doesn't mention the eldercare.acl.gov, but I will mention that and maybe mention that again in future podcasts because it is a good resource for this as well to try to find your local agency on aging or local senior services bureau that might provide this type of program or might be able to walk you through what's available locally. So I'll drop that gem here early and then I'll go and finish reading what the article talks about. So first uh, the article is broken out in essentially three, four main subsections. One is for Medicaid recipients. One is for military veterans. One is for getting paid by a family member. And the other is, of course, long-term care insurance, which I won't talk about much here because I've talked about that in other podcasts. So for Medicaid recipients, it says all 50 states and the District of Columbia offer self-directed Medicaid services for long-term care. Some programs pay family members but exclude spouses and legal guardians. So if you're a spouse caring for your spouse, some of these programs may not allow you to be paid, but if it's a son or daughter or a close friend or cousin, those individuals may be qualified to be paid. It says programs names also vary. What is called consumer directed care in one state might be called participant directed services in-home supportive services or cash and counseling in another state. So consulting uh, the website and you might start with Medicaid's website as well and do a search there. 
And so it talks about enrolling in these self-directed care plans involves the following steps and assessment. So your loved one would have to be assessed for their need, for their capacities, for their preferences, risk and strength. Planning your family member and any chosen representative create a written service plan detailing the daily living assistance requiring required areas may include bathing, dressing, feeding, helping with light housekeeping and laundry, managing medications, moving from bed to wheelchair, preparing meals, shopping, supervising activities and so, and transporting to appointments. So those are all the areas you can think about as you're talking about a plan and what you are doing for your loved one. Then it uh, it talks about also in these steps, budgeting, if the assessment shows a need, a budget for goods and services will be provided. And selection, when the care plan is set, the care recipient or surrogate chooses a caregiver. So those are the steps when we're talking about Medicaid as the approach. And understand if you are already receiving Medicaid, Go forth and start to look into this option. If you are not receiving Medicaid, understand that Medicaid does have some pretty strict rules. It is income based. So and it varies by state, I believe. So if you're loved one and it, again, it varies. So I'm not sure exactly, but I'm thinking, you know, probably above eighteen hundred might be too much per month. You know, if they're receiving that in Social Security or a pension from somewhere. But again, definitely coverage will vary from state to state. So look into it for your particular state. And I know one of the other things is $2,000 in the bank I've seen as a common thread when it comes to Medicaid. So if an individual has more than that, they might need to spend that down on things that are reasonable and logical for your loved one. Not saying go take a trip to Vegas to spend down your loved one's money, but there might be things that they need in terms of adapting the home or what have you. Various things can come into play there to get the money below $2,000 in the bank. All right. So that's Medicaid. Then the next thing it talks about is military veterans. And it says that similar to self-directed care under Medicaid, the department of veteran affairs, allows qualified former service members to manage their own long-term services and supports. It is available in 42 states, the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico, for veterans of all ages who are enrolled in the Veterans Health Administration Healthcare Service and need the level of care a nursing facility provides but want to live at home or the home of a loved one. So this will be for veterans. And certainly if you are already receiving other types of benefits from your local VA, then this will just be something to explore because it probably qualifies and you can add on to it. If you are a person who has a disability rating from the VA of 70% or more, this program will likely apply to you. So, by all means, uh, start with the VA, and this will also apply to the spouse of a veteran. So if you are a surviving spouse and your uh, loved one or your spouse served in the military and was involved in a conflict, believe that they will probably be eligible 
for this. But in either case, of course, you want to do more research. And from my understanding, talking to people who are veterans, there are um, something akin to social workers, people who help explain what the Veterans Administration offers that you can reach out to. Um, but starting with VA.gov, I think would be a good place to start. And then it says here that a family caregiver in Dallas, for example, would receive $1,752 or $2,800 a month, according to a VA fact sheet on the program. So that's a decent amount of dough could certainly recover the $7,000 a person is coming out of pocket if the VA finds that you're eligible to receive this money caring for your loved one under this program. So definitely Medicaid, VA, good places to start if those apply to you. Then it talks about getting paid by a family member. So this is if you do have that rich uncle who says, hey, I'd like to pay for you to take care of your mom. It goes through some steps that you should do. For example, drawing up a personal care agreement that will serve as a contract between the caregiver and the care recipient. It should spell out wages, what services will be provided and when, and the length of the agreement, among other terms, consider involving other family members of the immediate family and working out terms so they are not surprised later. Definitely try to have some transparency and open communication. This is Matthew talking now, because what you don't want is to have any resentment of other family members popping up saying, hey, why does so-and-so get to Take care of mom. That would be wonderful, by the way, if people are fighting over stepping up and taking care of your loved one. Unfortunately, it's probably the opposite where there's apathy and people not wanting to do things. But if it is the case that others may want to have had a chance, then it'd be a good idea. Thanksgiving, Christmas dinner, whatever gathering that might happen, a family reunion or just you get together on a Zoom call. And say, hey, let's talk about mom. Let's talk about dad. We want to maybe even as a family pool some resources together to pay a person. And or you might use the person's resources. So your loved one, again, maybe they have some money. They sold a house or something and they have some money sitting in the bank account. And this money, let's say you got $20,000 sitting around. You might want to do this to. Put a contract together, hire a loved one and pay them whatever you come up with, $500 a month, $1,000 a month, whatever that person can afford. But the key is to put this in a contract and to pay the individual and to give the individual a 1099 at the end of the year and make sure that individual files their taxes. Because if this is part of the spend down for an individual to qualify for Medicaid later, When they look back five years, they'll be able to see that this money wasn't just given to the person as a gift, but this was actually wages to pay the person for work that was performed. And to the extent you have a paper trail to show that is the extent it's going to help with Medicaid and probably even the IRS if that ever becomes an issue. Just to be able to show that 
there was work performed and there was pay for that work. So this is another way to get a family member paid a little more complex. And of course, again, consult an attorney, an elder care attorney to get more information. And in terms of the tax issues, consult some tax person who can advise you on how to best go about that so that you do keep professional records. And then lastly, it does talk about long-term care insurance. So the four areas, again, for getting a family member paid. It says here, if your loved one, let's just read this about long-term care insurance. If your loved one has long-term care insurance, it probably covers some costs for health care and personal care services. However, not all policies extend that coverage to paying spouses or other family members. So you need to look at the individual insurance. Just want to say that about that. Um, Because we are talking about having a family member being paid in this particular podcast and some long-term care insurances might cover a family member. So there's that there's the, another family member or the family coming together to pay someone in the family veterans benefits, and then Medicaid as well in terms of getting that family member paid again, looking at elder care.acl.gov putting in your zip code. And then I think you can even do a search on getting paid as a caregiver in your particular area. I would also say, make sure you include that as part of your research because there might be some nonprofit organization that is not national or international, but just local to your area. And you can find out some good information and maybe uncover some program that's hidden that not many people know about, but that can affect and impact you in your local area. So do that. That's it for this week. Trying to cover some of these expenses or recover some of these expenses that you might have as a caregiver. I'm Matthew Johnson. You've been listening to Dementia in Black and White. Until next time, please take care of yourself. Absolutely mental and physical first and then take care of your loved one. We'll see you next week. I'm out.